Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale up business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very special one. Uh, his name is Guilherme, uh, the founder and CEO at Sami. Guilherme, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You can just call me Guy. I think it's easier. I go by Guy. So you can Got go it. by Guy. That's a awesome. lot easier. Thanks. <laughs> Very common in Brazil also to, to go, and in Portugal uh, as yeah. well. As you know, exactly. I'm from Portugal uh, for the ones who are listening uh, for the first times, uh, the, the podcast. <laughs> Beautiful place. I'll be there soon. So looking forward <laughs> to get there. And by the way, Guy is, is based in, in Brazil, but uh, of course you, you will have the opportunity to... Um, it's, it's, it's from Brazil, it's based across the world, sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, let, let's, let's get to know more about, about you for the ones who didn't have the chance yet to, um, to meet you before. So who, who is Guy? Perfect, thank you. Little intro myself here. So uh, third time entrepreneur, all in healthcare. Um, started my career in finance back in a while ago. Um, this is early or mid 2000s. I worked at, a, at an investment bank for, for a year or so, not very long. But that's when I had the opportunity to see a little bit of healthcare but from an extreme high level. But I saw um, how the market worked in, in, in the US, especially how the incentives work how hospital settings um, worked and how the mechanisms to incentive either or not a clinical outcome uh, for, a, for, a, for a desired mm -hmm. condition. And right. so I, I understood a little bit of the, the post-acute care space uh, in the US while I was just following a few transactions, not participating. But it was very clear to me that there was a space in Brazil that wasn't fulfilled. Uh, at that time, uh, Brazil was in its infancy of home health care, and uh, you only had hospital and home health care, but you wouldn't have that in-between space where you know people transition from a higher acute, acute setting, which is the hospital, towards home, but in between home healthcare and the hospital, there was nothing transitioning, the, no facilities uh, transitioning the patients from there. So that was, uh, I saw a little bit of that uh, when I was in the US, fast forward, you know, a couple of years later, I like to think I was at the right place at the right time. And, and my co-founder and I, my co-founder is a doctor and I've only had doctor co-founders, which is interesting because at one point, oh. uh, uh, <laughs> in, in, you know, some of, some of the, uh, uh, places I go to in Brazil, um, yeah, people think I'm a I'm a doctor. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> far from it, far from it. And uh, by so, the way, you know, that's a question that I had in my mind. So good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, I'm not a doctor. I'm not. A, I, I, I maybe I can play one, but you know, I'm I'm not a real one. I'm not a real one. Uh, so I so I went back to Brazil a couple of years later and. And as I mentioned, I like to think I was uh, at the right place, at the, right, uh, the right place at the right time. And my mm -hmm. co-founder was looking at the space and just being local in Brazil. He was just like, hey, we need a step down facility. 
you have home health care and you have hospital, you have nothing in between. And so his vision was to build something in between. And I had saw what the industry looked like in the US. And I asked him, I was like, are you trying to build a post-acute care network? And then he looked at me with open eyes. and was like, what is a post-acute care network? And then I walked <laughs> him through. And as I walked him through, he just, he looked at me and said, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. And little did I know, you know, my entrepreneurial first version was coming out and I was, okay, uh, this is interesting. And I looked at him, I was like, hey, uh, I'll jump into this deal if if, if we're going to build a network of, you know, post-acute care hospitals. But I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, you know, fast forward today, we have nine, close to 10 hospitals um, uh, in, in the city. But I... You know, it's it's an operation. It's it's really a hospital operation, and we started this business. I don't think with more than I don't know two hundred thousand reais. So that's about at that time maybe like you know seventy eighty thousand dollars. And so mm -hmm. it's a, it it's pretty rare that you can say that you started a, a chain of hospitals with that amount of capital. Exactly. But that was it. So that that was it. So that was it. Well um, then. Yeah, so we, we, you know, we just had like this little facility with 19 beds, I remember, in detail, everything. Took us a year to get the first contract. And to me, it was so obvious uh, that that thing would work. Me and my co-founder were just, okay, this, this, this just makes total sense. But you had to, you know, uh, discuss with the carriers because they were the ones that were to pay the bill um for for right. the patients and and you know it took us i would say one and a half years to get the first contract first because i was you know fresh coming up 10 years out of brazil and i was coming out had absolutely no experience in healthcare and here i was <laughs> pitching to you know big carriers in brazil saying hey we we just have this new solution it's supposed to kill care hospital they didn't even know <laughs> what it was and then they looked at me and they're like who is this kid you know trying to build the hospital here <laughs> and i remember many many times just sitting really just going to to this people's office and sitting in the front and you know on the reception saying hey i need to see someone and just sitting there and say i need to see someone they're responsible for contracting na hospital network and i would just sit there and wait for people uh that that was, yeah, I that's, was <laughs> yeah that's how i that's that's how me and my co-founder operated in the beginning try to get get those contracts so it was really sort of a roots experience entrepreneurial experience uh, really scrappy no capital no sophistication no nothing just a vision and really 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 going at it um, and i was happy to have a co-founder that understood you know, the clinical aspect of it and mm -hmm. uh, fast forward maybe two years we had this you know 19 bad facility and all of a sudden, we had a nothing bad facility that was fully occupied, and we had patients that were, you know, high acuity patients. And you think of, to give you a sense of what kind of patients we're caring right. for, you know, patients with um, uh, low immunity, uh, patients with uh, ventilation support, Got patients it. with stroke, and multiple comorbidities, uh, patients, you know, oncologic patients, and, and mm -hmm. just very, um, we're, we're getting sort of a semi-ICU setting, 
type of uh, mm -hmm. operation. And we looked at each other and we saw, hey, you know, just this this thing seems to be working. I, mean, I had no idea from the clinical aspect, but uh, you know, I, I had a sense of what we're doing from the point of view of what value was in healthcare. Because right. I, sk I skipped this point. When we started, the only thing I knew looking at Brazil was understanding how the hospitals in Brazil were being compensated. And back then, this is 2008. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I looked at how they get compensated, it was they're being compensated by, by the materials and by the drugs that they sold or they applied to their patients. Mm -hmm. And so there was not really a connection of if this patient became healthy, you got compensated by that. No, it's it's the more drugs and the more materials, uh, the higher was the hospital right. margin. It was just like, this did, just didn't make sense to me. And I just felt like a, right. if I'm a service provider, I should be compensated by the service, especially the outcome of that service. And so how that, that's how we started the company. And that's what I credit uh today the success of the company because i had no idea what value-based pay in healthcare was but i understood that as a service organization i shouldn't be compensated by the sicker the patient is uh the more i get compensated i should be compensated by mm -hmm. the faster i get that patient home the faster i get the patient healthier and the more uh, uh, forecastability in the financial sense I provide to whoever is paying footing that right. bill, but combining that with the clinical sense. So that was really the core of the business. And then, so fast forward two years later, we had, we were doing value-based pay without knowing it. We had uh, <laughs> high acuity. Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing. Like when I look back, it's, it's really amazing because People are still talking about, well, not people are still talking. We talk about value-based care everywhere today. And, and it's kind and, of a, a trend, a future trend still. It's a future trend. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. No, like, I not would, about I was, 2008. It's it's something that we are still trying to implement, right? And I, was at an about. I was at an event in, in the U.S. earlier this year, and I sat at this massive conference, and they're talking about the same thing. And I felt like, whoa, I think we're 30 years behind here something. <laughs> we're still trying to implement that. But, you know, I credit that to, to, to the success of the company. I mean, we're, uh, uh, you know, we, we had that vision that that could be you know, transformation for, 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 for the space. And it was, and it really was. So it, uh, the company now is really good, you know, still participate, uh, fairly active on the company. And, and, and so after two years, so we had the bad full and, and it's like, okay, the MVP, if you can call it MVP <laughs> in, in, on a hospital setting, we just saw, okay, this, this, this is ready. We could expand and, and so forth. Um, so we went on and built the, you know, 50 bad facility. And just with all the capital we had and from friends and family and fools and, <laughs> and there was just no, no, just no capital available. Uh, I mean, you know, this is not a tech business, but there was no venture capital back then in, 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 in 2008. So there's no, all the mindset was a sort of the right. private equity thing. Uh, and you can value a business like that. So it's really difficult to raise capital. So it's just like, you know, getting friends, you, you get a couple hundred here, a hundred there. And, and all of a sudden right. we got into this, like for us was a big facility for 50 bads, like fully, you know, customized for, for, for our business. Of 
And our biggest client, at the very same time as we're moving and paying everything, paying the, the, the construction company, just delays payment for about six months. And yeah. we, I mean, we were broke, like really broke. Like we just had no cash. Like we're tapped out on, on the bank lines, just everything. And, and it was really difficult time because we just could not find capital. But alone, the spirit that when we did yeah. uh, a, a, a first transaction with a group of former healthcare executives, and at that point, we start organizing and structuring the company. But it was at the lowest point when we did not have capital, we're tapped on the, on the bank at all lines. And we had the biggest client that had maybe 50% of our of our revenues just over 60 months, uh, six months uh, delayed payment. So that was that was really tough. So I, I mean, I, I have a lot of, I have yeah yeah I have a lot of stories there of, of uh, you know how we build that thing. But it, it you know looking back it was, it was fun. But it was my 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 first experience in healthcare. And and just had a, a fabulous journey there. Really difficult, really, really lots of ups and downs, lots of ups and downs. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it was my first step into healthcare. So I stayed there until 2014. And then in 2014, mm -hmm. I left as an executive. And uh, I went on to co-found another business, which was called uh, Doutor Agora, which was... Uh, Mm -hmm. I co-found that with the guys that founded Minute Clinic in the U.S. Uh, if you're aware of Minute Clinic, it was the, the, mm -hmm. the first, uh, what they call retail clinics. And we're trying to do a mix Got of it. that and, uh, and a primary care entry point to, to, mm -hmm. to, to the healthcare system. So by then I understood that, you know, what value-based was, I understand clinical mm -hmm. design, and how an operation should be designed to be sustainable. Right. And I really understood that primary care could be a really good tool for engaging patients, having a more coordinated care path and so <laughs> forth. So I, I opened that business in you know, had a few investors, US-based investors. Again, everything that we are talking about today, right? <laughs> <laughs> Still, how to save costs by coordinating and understanding the the patient uh, early enough before going into the into the specialist, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I go. It's 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 funny because I was in the post acute care, and if you look from from the healthcare perspective in in, in Portuguese, you say quaternary or uh, yeah, quaternary care is like the the last piece. <laughs> and then I went on to primary care because I knew if you did primary care well. You have right. less people on the on the quaternary care because people right. get less sick, um, and so I went all the way to the other side of of, of the spectrum. But in, yeah. yeah, in prevention, but understanding how this would have a, 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 a potential powerful impact. Actually, we had a lot of data from 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 our um, uh, other investors that that were in the U.S. about primary care. So we wanted to set up that in Brazil. And this was a big lesson learned there. You know, the, the the first business, I have to think it was almost like a carbon copy of what we're doing, uh, what the U.S. market looked like and what the mm -hmm. European market looked like, because 
you know, today we have palliative care, transitional care, and long-term stay for high acuity patients. Mm -hmm. So we, we have those three mm -hmm. settings and they are exactly the same as in Europe and they're exactly the same as in, as in the US. And the payer is always a, a, a risk carrier. Now in Brazil, when you look at primary care at that point in 2014, this is, uh, it, it, it's an interesting journey. When I look back as, a, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you get some, some things wrong, you get some things right. Sometimes you get things very wrong. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so when we launched the company, we try to replicate a lot of the success that Minute Clinic had in the U.S., Mm -hmm. And there was just, we weren't culturally ready, basically. You know, the company, we I stayed on that company until almost 2018, I think. You know, it was three mm -hmm. years, two, three years. Yeah, it was, we went live in 2015, I think, about three years. Yeah. And we tried to replicate the strategies in, in the U.S., which was uh, going for a lower income spectrum of the population, and having to understand that the primary care would solve a big chunk of their of their needs, right? And statistically, if mm -hmm. you look at a if you look at a ER setting, roughly seventy five percent of everything that happens on the emergency room, uh, it will be it can be dealt on a primary care setting. So what that means is that mm -hmm. seventy five percent of the people that you see on the emergency room shouldn't be there. Five percent. Between wow. sixty five and seventy five percent. Yes, yes, that uh, high. That high. They shouldn't be there uh, because of clinical pertinence, right? Meaning mm -hmm. you have a sore throat and you just do not have an alternative. So what do you do? Because, you know, it's three in the morning, your throat's bothering you and, and right. you, you, yeah. you, you go to the ER because you, you're gonna get taken care, but you don't need to have that, right? There, yeah. there are other exactly. alternatives. And there are, there's from, from, from the clinical risk perspective, you as a semi-healthy individual shouldn't be in a place where there's a lot of sick people, right? That's the first yeah. piece. The second piece is what the cost of that transaction is. And the third piece is the level of convenience. And so our vision was, hey, we can set up a structure that will prevent a lot of that. And we should sell this to the private market, not to the carrier market. We go to the private and then go into the, into the carrier uh, space. And it would, just, it would just not get traction. People culturally in Brazil, people are so attached to the specialist care. It's just, you know, you want to go to the specialist and and, mm -hmm. and you go to the specialist and you do very basic stuff. So it's highly inefficient for everybody because if you if you're thinking of from a cardiologist standpoint, right? The cardiologist should be doing very specific things right. and, and and I wouldn't say like very, very critical, but very specific things to to his specialty. And at the end of the day, he's doing a lot more of a general clinician than, than his specialty. That's what happens at the end of the day. So we felt right. like people could understand that, but they, they, you know, long story short, they didn't understand. And, and there was another, and then we start to talk to carriers in Brazil. And then you remind me of my first experience to say, it's, it's sort of the death by pilot, right? You talk to these people mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, this is cool. We, we're going to do it. And you never get to sign a contract. Actually, a, a interesting point. At that time, this is like 2016, mm -hmm. I was talking to carriers and this is my big frustration with the, with the space. 
and actually it's one of the reasons why uh, I co-founded SAMI, is because at that point, we're talking to all these big carriers and we're talking about primary care. And I had those visions like, hey, if we do care coordination, if if you transition your, your patients through my primary care setting, I can mm -hmm. manage your pool of population. I can coordinate this population right. and I can lower the cost of providing care to this population. And at that time, and I'm talking about like 2016, it's not very long time ago. And mm -hmm. a lot of the traditional carriers are like, ah, no, we don't need that. We're okay. We don't care. There's, there's one specific that, <laughs> that wanted to, to do that and avoid names, but it's just the, the, the time to, to sign something. It, I died before anything happened. And so fast right. forward, uh, by the time we found it in Sammy in 2019, the very, this is interesting. Uh, Mike, and, th and this goes well with my frustration with healthcare. I sat with some of the same very carriers that I spoke that Sammy, and one specific, uh -huh. one big one in Brazil, just the first thing that they saw me said, hey, Guido, you still have the clinics. We really need the primary care. So my understanding of, wow. I don't want to say the, my general understanding of how incumbents operate, but you know, some of the folks uh, you know, there's outstanding people in the space. Some of the folks, you're talking to them today, 30 years ago, because they're not open to see other things. They're not open to try other things. And, and the whole structure of the space is set up not to try. They're set up right. not to take avoid risk. Additional, yeah. avoid risk, avoid risk. And there's the conception. It, it's, it's a half true. Uh, when you're a carrier, because they say if you open another door, meaning you contract something else, your cost will increase, period. Right. That's the assumption. But you might open another door. And I like to think of my first business, right? Otherwise, my mm -hmm. first business would be closed because it was a new door. There was no door like that in, in Brazil back then. And we opened right. the door. And to give you a sense, uh, we would save thinking of, you know, the patients that we treated there, the patient moves from an ICU setting and he's stabilized in, in a hospital. And that patient might cost uh, on a monthly basis, let me think in dollar terms, I don't know, maybe like $100,000 a month. And mm -hmm. then he comes to our setting, which is clinically designed for that type of patient. Uh, it's socially much better for the family. And yet our cost will go down to, I don't know, maybe $20,000 a month. Wow. And so you have clinical benefit, you have social benefit because the setup is much better. We're focused on that patient profile and the cost is right. much lower. And so we open a door and we reduce cost and we increase clinical outcome and we reduce cost. But the assumption as, as a traditional, as a traditional carrier is you open the door and you know, it will cost more. And so they don't take that risk. And, and so anyways, so we're sitting, this is 2019. I'm sitting with some yeah. of the very same uh, carriers. And that's the first question they ask. And I say, oh, I'm glad, you know, at one point when the business shut down and you know it was a lot of frustration and and i was like what what am i going to do and 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 also in in brazil when you're not successful in a venture it, it, i think things have matured more 
but 2018, I don't, people are still learning that it's a learning right. process and not a failure, right? The, to yeah. me, there was a lot, and, but at that point was, uh, I was on the failure side. I wasn't on the, you know, this is a great learning experience. And then you talk to, to, to people in the space and, or the general, the, the culture in Brazil is just not of an, of, okay, this is a learning curve. You're moving on to the next one and you're going to try other things and you learn a lot. No, it's just like, this is a failure, right? And as an entrepreneur, I don't think people, uh, uh, especially people trying to become entrepreneurs, they look at it, they, they only see like the the good things right i think i could scare a lot of people with my stories here um i don't want to but it's just like the, the reality just it's just a fact of it right that you know this this the first venture was very tough as well right i had very tough uh investors um with uh, a very private equity vision and 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 i don't i don't believe uh, uh, some of those visions are, are good for culture building, for taking care of people and, and building something mm -hmm. magnificent, right? Um, and we'll go back to that point and just, just write that down, Mike. So we go back to the building something special. Right. Um, to me, I, I thought, but at one point, you know, w with the group I was, I was just not happy. And so I went on to the second venture and then failed. And for about six months, I was just sitting there like, what do I do? What do I do? You know, I failed. And then I was interviewing, actually I interviewed with some uh, large carriers because I, I knew people. And one of those executives, right. he just came to me and said, Guy, look, you're just unemployable. Get it. <laughs> you're just not, you're unemployable as an executive. Uh, I'm smiling, but at the time I imagine it, it was a little bit weird to be in those conversations no very hard because i was i always went all in on my business i'm and this is another big learning where you know for the folks listening if you're starting something my biggest advice do not go in all in on, on with your own money right and i always went very controversial wow. yeah yeah no my this is my advice don't go all in with your money because you 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 might see yourself in a situation that um you know, you, investors, I don't want to generalize here, but uh, investors just don't respect that. And they expect, they expect you, the more, I don't want to use a <laughs> F, an F word is like, the, the more F you are, the more, the more you're working, the more uh, run down, the more, the better. Right. And, and that's the feeling I had with my previous investors. Literally, that was my feeling. The and, less options and, you have, the most committed you will be. That's yeah, and that's interest, yeah, and and they assume that's in the interest. But what you do but, to that, right. you're killing, you're killing the entrepreneur, you're killing everything around them, and 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 you just get to that and point. It's where, also not taking the right decisions for the mids and the long term. It's yeah, just thinking absolutely. short term. It's, it's survival. It's survival. Right? Yeah, yeah, and so for a lot of investors, the, that that's an assumption that. Yeah, that's good. You know, he has no option. He has no money. He's all in. But they forget that, you know, this is not a healthy space to be. And so that was that was uh, my second venture. But anyways, so go through the motions there, and 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 you know we got to to, to start something, just connecting, and I go back to starting family. But it was just yeah. interesting that you know a year later, 
literally a year year later, I was meeting with the same people and they were asking about, you know, the primary care clinics. And then I was like, are you serious? You know, that's why the, the sector is so inefficient. Uh, there's so much waste, fraud and abuse because the people managing this, this, this system, they're not up to change. They're not up to change. And you have to take risk if you want to change. And, 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 and to me at that point, I say, oh, that's good that we, that we started, Sammy. So anyway, so I'm getting through here, the second business and into the third. I'll pause here if you have uh, 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 other questions. Uh, or I just start, uh, what, what is Sammy? No, that's, that, that's a great one. I've already have, for the ones who are listening, I'm also listening, I already have four pages written in the notebook about, uh, about your story and about lessons learned. Uh, amazing uh, story. Yeah, I would go with the story. Let's go into, into Sammy and get to know more about Sammy and where you are uh, mm -hmm. today in terms of your fourth venture, which is yeah. which, which has raised its... Uh, several uh, amounts of uh, of capital in, in brazil uh well i think the the journey starts with just meeting good people and and the first person i met was my co-founder uh i was i was it, it, it was an interesting moment for me because we were in complete different spectrums of business he was just selling his his last business and I was just barely up for my previous business, right? And I was, right. he was in a high, I was in a low, but we're, we, we had a very similar vision of what, you know, the world will look like with a, with a new solution for the system. Um, I like to think of myself as a mechanic of healthcare because I spend a lot of time understanding how the, the, the real mechanics mm -hmm. and the incentives mm -hmm. uh, worked. And my co-founder came more with the technology view of, of the space. So here we are, both of us sitting. Have, it, it, we, we met a, a year before. And we were talking, talking. And, and I think from his perspective, uh, and this is his words, you know, telling, telling mm -hmm. the stories. When we met and we talked, and I was like, look, uh, I felt like you could uh, start something from scratch. You could talk to investor you could pick up the phone to to as as if you were your own assistant i don't have an assistant never had one i continue to do the same right <laughs> uh, but it was literally go from from a to z and, and at that point as, as we're sitting i was like look Victor, i i'm done i have absolutely no capital i'm zeroed out uh, and from his end he had just sold his business and he had a one-year earn out uh, to go and he couldn't commit a hundred percent of the business on a, on a full-time basis. And so we sat down and I mean, but just bear in mind, I knew this guy for like a year and we're not like the best friends or That's anything. We just, it were, you know, we met and it was just a professional conversation. Mm -hmm. And I said, Vitor, look, I have no condition to put any money up front and I won't put any money up front because, you know, it's just not possible. But, you know, it's not right. that I had it. It was just not possible. It's not that I didn't <laughs> want to. It's just not possible. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to, you know, put some some capital up front, and you know, we we will we'll discuss how this thing plays out as a partnership, and then I'm happy to do it because this is what I, this is what I truly love, and this is what I know right. how to do. You know, I know how to get a piece of paper, 
And from that piece of paper, it becomes a PowerPoint and that PowerPoint becomes a business and then there's money and then you have a bank account and then you have a business and you have a product and so forth. I'm, I'm pretty confident on, on, on getting those things to play. And, and meeting Vitor at that time was just a, it was a great moment uh, to meet someone that wanted to do something different and just had that view of building something uh, like a, a real company, uh, something different. Um, and the idea, as we sat on, on, on having coffee, this is 2019, I think. Mm -hmm. The idea was I was coming as a provider, being a primary care provider, a uh, post-acute care provider and a primary care provider. Vitor was more in the industry, uh, working with executives in the space he, he ran an event uh you know the health tech events in brazil so he knew everything that was happening but right. i was more the, the, on the on the mechanical side of this and my view which merged to to, to his view was we cannot build you can build the sexiest techiest solution because we mm -hmm. we decided i said hey i'm not going to build anything that's asset heavy and I need mm -hmm. to build something that has a systemic vision uh, from 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 healthcare. And Vitor mm -hmm. was coming from a, a technology viewpoint, and we're thinking uh, data analysis, data interoperability, data looking from from, right. from that angle. But the conclusion was this has to be systemic, and by default, if it's systemic, this has to be a a a full risk carrier. And why were we doing this? Because uh, in Brazil, I think there's there's things, those are public data, 21% mm -hmm. of the cost structure of all risk carrying in Brazil goes to fraud, abuse, and overusage. 21% of the wow. cost structure. And wow. we felt that, look, if we have a lot of technology here uh, on those three pieces, if mm -hmm. we have value-based pay on our network and we can connect all these dots, we have a chance to lower fraud, abuse, and overusage. And again, you're thinking 21% of the cost structure of all the carriers in Brazil. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But the only way that you can address that, and that's very challenging, is if you're a systemic player. Because if you're right. the techiest, sexiest, sexiest solution, you're just one piece on a complete broken system. Mm -hmm. And you're solving just that little piece, mm -hmm. and still you have to deal with carriers that are risk averse. You might eventually go belly up because you can't get a contract and so forth. So we said mm -hmm. we're going to build our own. Um, so that was the first piece, and the second piece was: could we make it sustainable? And and make it sustainable meant can we just do value based pay across the network? And we had a clinical view of how that system mm -hmm. should work and we believe we had the, the relationships in the space i had a lot of relationships in the space peter had a lot more i mean his his level of connection is just amazing in the space and we believe that if we could do value-based pay on all our contracts connect the dots uh, from a data standpoint uh, having interoperability of systems have a mandatory gatekeeper as an entry to the system. When I say mandatory gatekeepers, having the general practitioner, right. family physician, 
uh, as, a, as an entry point to the system, then would have a chance to do something different. So that was the concept at, uh, on the, that's what we discussed. There was another piece was, was interesting is in Brazil, we felt that the, bro the broker model for the small companies was an adding value to the system. Uh, we believe mm -hmm. the broker system uh, has value in some specific space, mm -hmm. but we believe that you know on the really small entrepreneur side, we felt that we could sell straight to the end user. And here is not that we could save money because again, when you look in Brazil, between eight to ten percent of the top line of all the risk carriers they fall in the hand of brokers. Mm -hmm. And then again, there are brokers that add a lot of value to the system and the brokers that have the incorrect incentives. And then that ends up destroying value to the system. And our idea right. was more important than just, I don't like to say cut the middleman because uh, sometimes it just makes a lot of sense to use that channel. Uh, but yeah. it was more of getting close to our clients. And when I say getting close to our clients, just we have to as a as a carrier the way we approach the system we have to be very connected to, to our user because the way we mm -hmm. believe is you need to create trust when you're thinking of primary care the whole value of primary care i think the, the one of the main foundations here is that your paid the care team or and the patient trust if the patient trusts that unity of care, they will always access that. And when they always access that, then you start to explore and 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 gain all the benefits of um, uh, population health management, healthcare promotion and provision. You, you, you start to get that. And that takes time. Mm -hmm. It's not like, hey, here's your care team and now we're reducing costs because things are more efficient. No, it's not. It's a process. And when you get that level of connection. And so again, uh, when you have a, a broker model, sometimes data get lost, you don't know who your client mm -hmm. is. And, and so there's all kinds of challenges there. So I'm not even talking about, you know, reducing distribution costs. I'm talking about just having, knowing who your client is. Um, and right. that gives you a lot of clinical data. It gives you it gives you very insightful data from 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 your members and think of what Sammy is today, right? For example, one of our benefits is Gene Pass, and our members, uh, we 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 can access that data and know if our member is being healthy or not. That is connected to the care team, and the care team can have uh, a lot of insights mm -hmm. based on the on the client behavior. But fundamentally, Mike, what you, what I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a massive success on our primary or digital primary care solution at SAMI, but I attribute that mostly from the level of connection that we're able to have with our members. And so they trust that channel. We have amazing people running that operation. Uh, we have the, mm -hmm. the technology tools that enable that connection right. to happen. And so when you're there for the, for your patient the first time and you're there the second time, the third, the fourth, the fifth, 
then they look at it and say, hey, wow, this is interesting. So I'm, I'm willing to go that channel because that channel is always there. So we were able, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, we designed that, that primary care. Then we implemented the right tools on top of that. And the result is that today, and this is a interesting data that we have inside Sami that it's, it's hard to find uh, comparables mm -hmm. worldwide. We, we never found, uh, but roughly more than 50% of everything that happens at our company, all the events, think of a, of a risk carrier, right. more than 50 between 50 and 55% of all the events are solved through digital interventions, be that tax message, telemedicine, mental health mm -hmm. application, mental health uh, uh, interactions. So it, it, it's just a big number. And this could be, uh, uh, we like to think this could be a transformational approach to, to, to the space. And so, you know, I'm connecting all the learnings I had in the past, and then we implement right. that in SAMI. And primary care, once connected to an entire system is what we have in SAMI, having that level of trust uh, with the clinical team, you're just able to harvest all the benefits of care coordination, population health management, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. at the end of the day, lower cost to serve, right? right. Today, as you go through the primary care, secondary and tertiary care, today at SAMI, our hospital admission rates, they are to the tune of 30 to 40% lower than the industry average. And why is that? It's just because yeah. we're doing an outstanding job on the primary care side and in the care coordination side. Uh, are we doing magic there? No, I think we're doing very basic fundamentals of primary care with the right technology tools and that mm -hmm. and having all that data transitioning through the through, through the care team mm -hmm. and so they know what to do with that information and have the best clinical decisions for for our member but that that doesn't mean we don't mess up our client's journey that happens uh, unfortunately. Right. Uh, that happens, but in general, we're being uh, very, very successful in our uh, digital-first approach to, to 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 primary care. The results, uh, from a carrier standpoint, they're just radically different when you compare uh, hospital admission frequencies at SAMI and and other, which is the the highest cost setting. Uh, yeah. It's just it's just mean we're keeping our our patients healthier in general. Um, you look at our population today, uh, the average age of our clients at SAM is just no different than the traditional carriers, maybe like one year younger. So it doesn't, it doesn't justify saying, Hey, uh, because you have, uh, They're much younger. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, because your, your company is a younger company is a tech company. Your, your clients are much younger. And so they're, yeah. they're healthy. No. And actually more important than that, 75% of all the members that have SAMI today did not have health insurance before. So when you, you when you're thinking of Brazil, Incredible. A lot of those patients they were under care before they came to Sami. And yeah. so we actually, and that's an interesting, I was mentioning the, the hospital frequency. This is an interesting data. <laughs> when you look from lab and diagnostics, we do more exams than traditional carriers. 
And then like, mm-hmm. oh, why, why is that? On the beginning, we're trying to understand that. And it's obvious if you, if you have a population health approach is that your patient comes in, you, know, you have the health risk assessment and you look and say, oh, John is an average risk. So we need to investigate. Right. So we allocate more capital uh, on the beginning of their journey. We do more exams, more diagnostic to get them on a, on, a, on a sustainable clinical path. And so the result is very interesting. Yeah. If you look at those two data points, we do more exams than the average in the industry because we're doing investigative and population health exams to get our members on a, right. on a sustainable care path. And then we get it. And then when you look at the when you look at the hospital admission rates are just radically lower, and so we attribute that to 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 that setup of having that right clinical design, the right team, and the right technology tools to provide our business decision makers with data. Yeah, and and so very 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 happy to 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 be that journey. Very centered in 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 the patients. Uh, it makes a lot of sense sometimes that the cost will be higher in the short term, but definitely in the mid and the long term, uh, the cost will be much lower. And as you said, the patient outcomes are much higher, uh, and the quality of life of of the member, as you call the the patient on on your ecosystem. Um, oh, so just just to mention something interesting, Mike. When you look at a cohort basis, we look on on the nine month nine to 10th month, we see the cost per patient decreasing. And that has to do exactly what we mentioned because we allocate capital in the beginning. And so yeah. they're, they're, uh, the average loss ratio is higher, 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 and then gets to stabilize and then trends lower because we got that member into a sustainable uh, care path. Yeah. Yeah, I can see uh, I'm a chronic patient now with an autoimmune condition. And uh, if I would have that kind of care before, I, I would uh, consume much less resources of my insurance yeah. health plan uh, if they would make some preventive uh, measures to ensure Absolutely. that I didn't have any kind of conditions uh, being built in, let's say, uh, in in the background uh, in, in order to explain that <laughs> okay cool awesome that, that's an amazing story thanks so much for for sharing it seems that we need to go into kind of a round two uh with you because we have so many topics to discuss and uh, but I, I love the way we covered your story and and each of the chapters of of your story and and that's really amazing think uh, what you have built so far and can you share some of the numbers that you that you have now with with uh, with Sammy for instance the the ad count how much you have raised it etc etc so uh, um, yeah we we when it, it, it's interesting to put in perspective uh, global peers in that sense right so we grew faster than all the global peers name any we have the best loss ratio. So we're really good at the core business of our company. So our loss ratio is always on the average of, you know, 60 something percent. And if you look at any global players, they're in the hundreds, the nineties, never being profitable or, or, or having operating margins. So we've been extremely successful on that. And, and, and just to complement that from a capital efficiency standpoint, we grew faster, we have better margin, and we deploy a lot, a lot less capital than all the, the our, our global peers. So, 
at, at this point in time, we've raised a little less than $40 million and we still have uh, plenty of, of fuel uh, on the bank, obviously working on, on, on raise is something that you always work as an entrepreneur, but right. uh, we're, you know, as, as far as, uh, as our global peers, we're just so far ahead. And sometimes we like to reflect if we're comparing ourselves to, to the companies that we should be comparing ourselves because we feel that we're building something transformationally different in a sense of the way we deliver mm -hmm. care in Brazil. And to give you a sense, our cost structure to deliver that assembles the, the largest company uh, in Brazil. So we have today 12,000 members at SAMI. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the biggest carrier in Brazil that has, I might be wrong, but between nine and 12 million members, Mm -hmm. And our cost structure to deliver care, and bear in mind, we don't own any assets, we have no scale, our cost mm -hmm. structure looks very similar to theirs. Uh, the, the, cost, the cost to deliver care looks very similar to theirs. And, right. and, and so that's really remarkable that we're able to, 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 to build that. And when, when we look at our data and compare it to global peers, then we ask ourselves, are we comparing ourselves to, 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 to the right companies? Because it's just so, 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 so different, especially on our, on our core business. We're really good at managing risk, underwriting risk, um, and, and, and deliver sustainable um, loss ratio for the business, which is, you know, at the end of the day, we're an insurance company and that, that, that's what we, we have to right. deliver. Right. And in, in terms of ad counts, where are you at, at the moment? Uh, we have about 440 people yeah. uh, and right. it's divided, you know, the, the biggest chunk of, 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 of our, of our team is in the customer success, obviously as a health insurance, you know, our, our business is very complex. Uh, so customer success, clinical team and sales team, that's about two thirds of the company mm -hmm. or half of the company. Um, and then uh, the, the rest is half technology and half, uh, you know, marketing growth, uh, right. uh, finance, actuary, and, you know, the, 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 let's just call it the, the admin. So the, the, the biggest uh, piece of our headcount is um, the, the, the operational roles in the clinical team, on the op, on the customer success team and uh, inside sales team those are the those are the the, the, the three big just for, for the nature of our of our of our business right. any particular lessons in terms of uh, company building culture people recruiting any if you need to highlight something that was critical to you to start uh, to start mm -hmm. up sami and to scale up sami mm -hmm. i know it's it's a very open question you could talk about so many things but if you think about something that was critical for you uh to to build a successful venture uh and that maybe you didn't apply in the previous two ventures that you that mm -hmm. you have built what what would you talk about i think the difference this time around was you know just having the right co-founder that was that you know as as my first venture that just makes the whole whole it's very different having the right co-founder good point but very different now mike i have to say we have outstanding investors 
And that changes and that changes the way they approach and the way we relate to them and the way we see building a company that takes care of our employees, that really values culture, that values people. And mm -hmm. my previous two experience with, with investors, they were not in that direction by no means. They, as I mentioned previously, it was like, you know, the worse you are, the more, and, and, and it was the first time as, as an entrepreneur that I would hear investors like caring for us, uh, uh, just asking if, if we're well, if things are fine and, 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 and the way we're, uh, the way we approach problems, the way they support us. So our investor base is just incredible. I have to say, um, we, we talk, you know, very often and that helps a lot. And so when you have that foundation, it just opens up, uh, it just allows you to build something differently. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously having capital helps a lot, but I think that on, on, on the vision side, you know, we came to Sammy, we, we, we came to Sammy because there was a problem. There was a problem to be solved, period. Mm -hmm. And that was clear to me and that was clear to Vitor. That was, there was a problem mm -hmm. too. It's sort of like we heard from, from one of our advisors, like you guys are on a mission. We didn't come to Sammy because now health tech is sexy. We didn't come to, right. to Sammy because now there's capital in health tech and now woohoo, uh, there's the FinTech boom in Brazil. Now we go to the next one and we're all going to make money there. And we came from technology and this is going to be, which is, you know, you, there's a lot of stories like that in Brazil right now. And that's not a fundamental way to approach a problem. Uh, we, we, we came to this from a problem standpoint. We didn't come to this because, hey, there's an opportunity, there's money on the table, there's, and we're, you came from technology and we can raise a lot of money and, right. and then you build something fundamentally flawed from the beginning. You can see, I mean, I don't need to discuss a lot of data is public in the space and you can just look at it and then you see how people are building stuff. They're not solving the problem. Uh, we understood the problem. We are passionate about the problem. And that's the that's the conclusion. Fast forward, you know, almost two years later, uh, our result our results speak speak for themselves, right? Um, so, I would, I would I would have to mention that you know having the right co-founder, have the right investors, and that sets up a base where you feel comfortable, you feel safe to 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 try things, and where people will look at you and say, try things, try things. The worst thing you can do is just sit on a uh, uh, on that decision and, and don't take risk and obviously understanding the risk you're taking right and not pointing the finger because you failed uh, on, right. on, on, on some effort so the, having that iteration is is uh, I think it's critical to build something and that sets you up to look at culture to look at taking care of people mm -hmm. and building something that fundamentally connects everyone uh, today at our company people are really connected to what we do and i think this is really special and that that just makes me happy every day or every monday as i we have the weekly on the company and i come in and I say hey guys thank you I, I, i'm just happy to be part of the journey <laughs> and i think that's that's fundamentally different than my previous two experience so just i have to say i have great people around me and that makes 
a whole lot of difference. Just great people around you. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. If, if you can organize your, and, and sometimes you might not need that much capital, but just having that set up around you as an entrepreneur, right. Uh, because it's so difficult to be an entrepreneur and if you have good people around you people pushing you uh, in in a positive way not pushing you to to the hole as my 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 previous experience had been uh, pushing you up and and being there for you that makes a whole lot of difference as an entrepreneur so i think if if i can leave here with a piece of advice that would be it just surround yourself with great people I think that we will need to make here an exception. Do you have a few extra minutes so we can go through yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, some of our last points of our conversation? And of course, you are more than welcome to come to a round two a little bit later because I, I still feel that Happy there's too. so much to to discuss and it's impossible to compress all this and i i, I couldn't cut you through sharing your story and i think that's that's the first time i, I really could i could go on for hours i think it was it was quite inside insightful for for the ones uh, who, who are listening to understand the ups and downs of entrepreneurial journey and that's uh, success doesn't happen uh, from one day to to other and uh, and in order to keep success, we need to keep paying rent, right? So that's something that it's also very hard, especially for successful founders, successful operators. The expectation is super high that they will be successful again in their next venture, in their next role. Uh, and again, uh, more, more difficult than someone consider you a failure is you to consider yourself a failure. And, uh, and sometimes... People have done great things in the industry, can be very uh, self-demanding and have a huge judgment to them to themselves. And it's good to understand that the odds are always against us. So yeah. only uh, 4% get to 1 million, only 0.4% get to 10 million and less than 0.04% get to 100 million. Wow. And and we are trying to do that in less than a decade because those numbers are for companies who, who got there in, in a lifetime. It's not only just in a, in a decade or in, in 15 years as, as venture capital mm -hmm. is trying to, to do it. So let's, let's just cover a little bit of uh, your view on, on the Brazilian ecosystem and how is it evolving and also this trend of uh, health tech. You have shared some of your insights on on that but uh, how, how do you see the brazilian ecosystem uh evolving from your perspective since you have started i think in... I, I think since i started just yeah it evolved great lens um but I, ju I just have that you know as as having done things before and that fundamentally you always not you always but mostly if you're venture back there if you're studying something in Brazil now you're doing that for the private sector in general and you will always end up trying to sell that to a carrier and I just have a hard time with business selling to carriers I really have a hard time because the carriers don't want those business you know it's <laughs> it, it, it's just so hard to to get into selling something to traditional carriers and so I'm not I am optimistic in the sense that there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs in the space. I don't think there's 
there's a few entrepreneurs that are there not for the right reasons and you can tell it's very easy to tell it's very easy mm -hmm. to tell who, who's there for, for the right reasons and so you know things will play out in the future but i like that there's more funding in the space venture capital like if you if you look at it at, at the most active guys in brazil they're very active in the space mm -hmm. um and i think at one point in the future you know there will be consolidation i think it's natural that this will will play out and i think that's similar to to to, to the us for example if you're looking at a you know ai machine learning and, mm -hmm. and you know software some of those solutions uh, being built are just outstanding but they just cannot get through the door on a on a traditional care and sometimes this this folks will build right. amazing solutions uh designed to address a very clear pain point but they just cannot get through the door and eventually uh players that will have a systemic view might find that interesting uh solution to to integrate into their into their delivery systems so i feel that there might be some consolidation in that sense um again I, i've met a lot of uh, amazing entrepreneurs in the last mm -hmm. couple of years in brazil uh trying to get into the space or already in the space so I think, mm -hmm. in general, the space is a lot more active when I started. Uh, there's a lot of technologies, new technologies in the space, which is mm -hmm. great. But I just, I just don't feel. It's not that I don't feel comfortable, but it's just so hard when you have a solution selling to a traditional carrier because they're so risk averse, and so that's the problem that I don't think that the system. Mm -hmm. is evolving at the speed that was that would be possible i think that's that's mm -hmm. the caveat right we could be so far ahead had traditional carriers in brazil be open to engage because there's most of them they have the corp not the corporate ventures but the you know the business dive and and then you sit with these folks and then you have this you know as a first-time entrepreneur you're going to have this conversation wow we got we got it we got this <laughs> this is done and 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 the, the person that you're talking to they genuinely believe that that's right. true but, but once they say hey mike let me get that solution connected to, to our system when you get to that stage the level of resistance and that the so, pushback from the organization yeah. is just so big, and so that prevents our ecosystem in Brazil to develop that at the speed that I believe would be possible had these guys be ready for 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 innovation, right? Because there's one thing that oh no, we have the corporate innovation department here. That's one yeah. thing. Yeah, but that's not how you do innovation. It has to be something right. ingrained in the company. It has to be open, and once the the innovation department gets that solution to okay, we're gonna connect those two dots here, and then we're gonna bring data. Once you do that, you get, you know, the executive. Oh, we don't need this. This is gonna take time. This is too risky. It's gonna cost. It's another open door, and so there's a lot of just it's just a basic resistance, and so that push back the velocity of how the ecosystem could be developed at this point in time so i i, I would look at you know from, from 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 that standpoint i don't know if 
if I have understanding of, for example, the U.S. market in that sense, if you know mm-hmm. startups are able to connect easier to carriers, but in Brazil, I think that's that holds the the the, the system. I think we evolved a lot for sure, yeah. but it could be a lot faster had these guys be more open to to implementing innovation. I think they're open to listening to innovation, but they're not uh, on their DNA ready to implement innovation. Yeah, but I, I agree that's the, the same paid point is, is observed both in, in the US and uh, in Europe. Also, there are two many solutions that are being sold into the same players uh, and sometimes it's, it becomes too it becomes too much to mm-hmm. to absorb uh, but in in a way i agree with you so the system was designed to kill uh innovation yes. right yes uh, i think no I, I think you said you said and, and you need to that, get that... out of the system uh, that's what you have built with Sammy is i will create my own system in order to be able to have the yeah. member and the patient yeah in the core of everything that I do. And in that sense, I will deliver clinical outcomes, patient outcomes, uh, better care coordination, a great culture will we'll be able to serve both sides of the marketplace, the people that are serving the patients and the patients themselves and reduce cost and make it more sustainable as a, as a business model. Great summary. Thank you for that. I, sh- I, sh- I should record what you just said. That's a great summary. I just repeated what you said. No, that that that's lovely. I think you know the the, the summary is like we went rogue. That's what we did. We said we went rogue because if you if you sit with the status quo, nothing would happen. And we said, hey, let's go rogue and let's do our own thing, and we'll we'll, we'll have a better chance of that. But yeah, I think. Your 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 sentence there that the the system was designed to kill innovation. I I think that's very appropriate to say. In a certain way, that that's what is happening in health tech. In in a certain way, for more and more entrepreneurs that I talk with, and why, for instance, in Brazil, the health tech is not at the level of fintech yet, and the same in the US and the same uh, globally. Of course, we are all on this because we want to make part of that. And I'm also covering a lot this season of health tech because I also dream to make that happen. But we need, to, in order to, to change the rules of the game, we need to first understand the game that we are playing. And we should not join a game that we can't win. So in a certain way, we need to decide very well what, what is the game that we can win before we get in, right? Uh, if not, we are just one more fighting in a game that we will we know by, by default that we will lose. <laughs> yeah, there's it's 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 just the setup the setup for entrepreneurs dealing with carriers is. I'm not saying should you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying you should be exactly. aware if you, that if that's where you start, you should be very aware how you're gonna. Where are you going to plant your seeds and, and just to get your the ball rolling in the business? Like I meet so many guys that we, yeah, we have a contract with this big carrier that pays me a cent per per month per member, and they make no money and they will never make any money, and right. they're providing uh, solutions, they're providing results, but it just and at the end of the day that that solution might die because the company needs to survive. Awesome. So let's go for the last segment of the show. Quick question, uh, quick answer, Guy. Uh, 
if you if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee uh, with Guy uh, at the beginning of your first venture, uh, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Preserve your relationships more than you preserve your business. I would do that. That would be my first one. Wow. What are you the most proud of on your journey uh, so far? Building Sammy. I know it's just incredible, period. Just incredible. Incredible company, incredible people, incredible investors. And, you know, building something for a country that really needs it. So that's, that's it. Super well done. Worst advice ever received. Oh, I have a good one. This one I have. A good one. <laughs> this is when uh, when I was uh, when I was building the 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 primary care business. It was you know we heard you know from from one of the guys that were involved in the journey was saying uh, build and they will come, uh, and that never happened. That really never happened. So uh, I think. I think uh, that 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 that's a bad that's a bad advice. We built and they never came. So we 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 had all those those assets and we, all those clinics and they never came and we spent all the capital. So never build and they don't do that or don't write a line of code without knowing what you're solving for. I think that those are the two analogies from from you know right. on the tech side and on the physical side don't build because you don't know if they will come right. and and from 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 the other side is don't write a line of code if you don't know what you're doing that for right people start yeah. you know building software and they don't know what that uh, what the real pain point is and then all of a sudden you have all the systems that don't work for the solution you're exactly. setting yourself to the Focus on understanding the problem before building uh, the solution or pick a problem that really matters right, for people. So, and now let's go into resources. Uh, favorite book? Favorite book? I'll skip that one. I think I have, you oh, know, sometimes I want to talk about the. Uh, business book or sometimes I want to talk something that will be more on the culture side um I'll, I'll skip that one got it favorite movie or series all right um <laughs> there is no time for books neither movies or series in this entrepreneurial journey <laughs> um I don't know I don't know, two and a half, man. That would be something that gets my mind uh, off the, 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 the daily grind. Yeah. And, uh, and finally, your favorite podcast, excluding this one, if you are a fan of podcasts, maybe, maybe you're not. Yes, I am. No, I consume, I consume a lot. I listen a lot to A16Z. That would be one. Yep. Um, but I listen to very different ones nowadays on on, on culture and communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that comes to mind, uh, A16Z is one that I listen quite 
quite quite on a recurring basis. It was really a pleasure to have you on the show, and something that I really really enjoyed is uh, your positivity, your gratitude, your attitude of non resentment about the past, and gratitude about about that past, about the present, and and excitement about the future that you are building uh, in the past. So that that's a great example of for all of all of us, and even for me. Uh, the way we should deal with life and, and the way we should deal with emotions uh, when we are going through the ups and downs of uh, building businesses. So thanks so much for that example and for being here with me and with us in the community uh, today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks much, Mike. Pleasure is all mine. Uh, let me know if we're going to do a round two. Happy to help. Absolutely. And for the ones who are listening, uh, we keep bringing you the best founders and investors to make your life a little bit easier. We know it's never easy, but of course, as we discussed it today, uh, when the problem matters, when we are really passionate about the problem, we will find uh, a solution for the problem. And that's amazing when we can have an impact in millions of uh, lives of people. See you soon and keep scaling. Mm -hmm.